Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Amen. We've been uh, on a series uh, entitled Keep Your Heart. And uh, the whole premise of the, the series revolves around uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where it says to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart will flow the issues of life. And so Solomon here is giving us a key to life, that if we are able to keep our hearts free, if we are able to keep our hearts free from the things that would try to violate it, then all of the other things in life fall into line. So all of the other issues we face in life, whether they're dif- we face difficult situations, difficult people. Um, how many of you have ever faced a difficult person before? <laughs> difficult, different things. Whatever we face in life, if our heart remains intact, if we keep our heart, then everything else flows from that place of being in, being in um, a correct posture in our hearts. So we've been talking about keeping our hearts with all diligence. For the first two weeks, we talked about envy. That envy is one of those things that hides within the recesses of our hearts that many times we don't even realize that it's there. And, uh, and, it, and it, it tends to come out in unexpected places, but that if we are able to keep free from envy, then our heart posture will be correct. So we talked about envy. If you want to hear more about that, you can go back and listen to those um, listen to those podcasts on envy. But today I want to get into a new subject, the subject of unforgiveness. Keeping your heart with all diligence. And in the process of keeping our heart with all diligence, there tends to be this little thing that seeps in to our hearts. And if we're not careful, then that thing can begin to destroy our lives. And that thing is called unforgiveness. Back in um, 1943 and 1944, during the World War II era, there was a family called the Tin Booms. The Tin Boom family housed Jewish refugees in their house. They hid them from the Gestapo and helped, helped to bring them over to other Dutch safe houses. Well, one night as they were uh, hosting a Jewish family, the Gestapo had got wind that there might be some Jews hiding out in this house. And so the Gestapo raids the house and they go through the entire house. They end up arresting Corey Tinboom, her sister, her two sisters, her brother and her father, along with 30 other people that were around in the area through this one raid. And uh, so they arrest all those people, but the ones that they didn't catch were the Jews that were hiding in the house. They were able to protect them and keep them hidden. There were four Jews and two other refugee workers that were hiding in the walls of the house. And they remained hidden in the walls of the house for three days without any food or water, without being able to move because the Gestapo kept watch over the house trying to to catch uh, because they were suspicious that there may still be people there. So they kept watch over the house. So these people were unable to move for three days hidden in the walls. Finally, some people came to the rescue and were able to help them get out of the house of those uh, six people that the Ten Booms successfully hid in their house, four of those people lived through the war and were able to go on and live the rest of their lives in peace. 
who didn't get to live the rest of their lives in peace were the ten booms. The ten booms ended up being taken to a prison camp. The father, who was 84 at the time, only lived two weeks in the prison camp because the conditions were so rough. Her brother, Corey's brother, ended up contracting tuberculosis while in the prison camp and died soon after the war had ended from tuberculosis. Corey and her sister were able to stay together in the camps and they lived throughout the, through, the, through the camps for a while. But her sister eventually, who was, I think her sister was in her late 50s at the time, her sister was unable, her health was unable to withstand the conditions of the prison camp. And Corey had to watch her older sister pass away there in the camp with her. Two weeks after her sister passed away, Corey was released from the camp from a clerical heir. Clerical, did I say that right? There was an heir from the staff. And was, they released Corey and let her go free. A week after they released Corey, she found out that the women in her age group in that camp were all executed the week after she was released. So Corey and the Ten Boom family paid a high, high price for what they did to rescue the Jews in the area. Soon after the war, Corey opened up a, um, a house to, uh, to be able to minister to those post the war. Um, and so she opened up a rehabilitation center where she would bring in people to help them post-war. And part of what she did, she would go around to different places and speak. And in 1947, she was in Germany speaking at this place. Speaking, think about this, she's, she's in Germany, a place where there are both people who were brainwashed into the Nazi regiment and people who suffered at the hands of the Nazi regiment. And in that room were those two types of people being brought together. And Corey, who suffered in, in a prison camp and watched her family die, spoke to these people about forgiveness. She speaks to the crowd about forgiveness. And after she, she's finished speaking, the crowd gets up and begins walking out of the, of the room. As the crowd is walking out, she sees this man begin to walk walk the opposite direction of the crowd. They're walking out. He's walking towards her. He's a larger man, she said, that has a bald spot. He's wearing a gray overcoat and he's clenching a brown hat in his hand. But when she saw him, she immediately recognized him and was taken back to the camp, the prison camp that she was in with the harsh lights and the pile of dresses in the middle of the floor. And she remembers having to, her and her sister Betsy, have to walk past this man naked as they walked to their cells in the prison camp. The man comes up to her. This man who was part of the people who held her in captivity, who, who, who she suffered at his hand and watched her sister die because of the conditions that this man put her through. He walks up to Corey. She realizes he doesn't recognize her, but she absolutely recognizes him. And he begins to tell Corey that after the war, he became a Christian. 
and he's changed his life. And he looks at Corey and he puts out his hand and he says, can you forgive me? Corey is standing, staring into the eyes of this man who caused so much pain in her and her, her family. And she begins to struggle and she says, she said that these, all these thoughts begin racing through my head. She, she said, how can I forgive this man who had a hand in killing my family, who had a hand in my suffering? And I'm supposed to just put my hand out and say, yeah, all is well. And then she begins being convicted by the Holy Spirit. She says, here I am, somebody who every day has to be forgiven of sin. Yet I'm unable to forgive this man for what he did. And so she said she, she knew what she had to do. She said she knew that forgiveness was not an emotion, but forgiveness is a choice. And so she said, even though I didn't want to, I, I put my hand out and I said, brother, she called him brother. She said, brother, I forgive you. She said she stood there, former prisoner, former prisoner, prisoner guard, hands locked together, tears streaming down each other's face. And she said, in that moment, I have never known the love of God like I had in that moment. I'd never known the love of God like I had in that moment. In Luke, in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 3, Jesus tells us, he says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. And it would obey you. The apostles told Jesus, listen, if you want us to forgive somebody unconditionally, which is what Jesus is telling them there. In another part of the scripture, Peter actually asked, Jesus, do, how many times do we have to forgive somebody? Is it just seven times? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. What Jesus is relaying here is every time they come and repent, you have to forgive them. Repent or forgiveness unconditionally. So Jesus is telling them, you have to forgive unconditionally. And the apostles look at Jesus and say, if you expect us to be able to forgive unconditionally, you're going to have to increase our faith. You're going to have to give us more courage. You're going to have to strengthen our hearts if you expect us to forgive unconditionally. You see, it's easy to forgive somebody over little things, right? It's easy to forgive your spouse over a little petty argument that you may have had that day. It's easy to forgive somebody who maybe forgot your birthday or something. For those of you who remember my birthday was yesterday, thank you. For the rest of you... I forgive you. <laughs> it's easy to forgive over little things, right? But when it comes to things like betrayal or unfaithfulness or maybe words, harsh words that have been spoken for years 
and years and years. When it becomes heavy things, hard things, it is much more difficult to just walk up to somebody and say, I forgive you. Just like with Corey, heavy things. It's not little things that Jesus is talking about here. Of course, it's easy to forgive somebody over and over again over little things. But when it becomes deep, when it becomes difficult, it becomes difficult to forgive. And that's why the apostles here are saying, Jesus, if you expect us to forgive unconditionally, you're going to have to give us more faith. But then Jesus responds and he says, listen, you don't need more faith. He says, if you have faith, even as a small mustard seed, you can say to this tree, be pulled up by its roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. You don't need more faith. You just need a little faith. The apostles didn't believe they had enough faith to forgive unconditionally. And maybe you're in a place where you don't believe that either. Maybe you are here this morning and you have been hurt or you have been, uh, been betrayed or whatever it may be to a point where you're struggling to be able to move past the betrayal, to move past the harsh words, to move past the betrayal. And maybe you're like the apostles here this morning and say, Jesus, it sounds great. I know it's the Christian thing to do, but listen, if you expect me to find forgiveness, you're gonna have to increase our faith. And I wanna tell you this morning, you don't need an increase in faith. You just need the little bit that you have right now. You just need the little bit that you have right now. I think there's some lies that we believe. The lies, some lies that maybe even the apostles were believing that hinder us from forgiveness because maybe we don't really fully understand what forgiveness actually is. Maybe we don't really fully understand what forgiveness actually is. So I think there's a few lies that we actually believe that are keeping us from being able to walk in forgiveness. And so let me share some of those with you this morning. The first lie I believe we tell ourselves is this. If I forgive them, I am saying that I trust them and thus giving them access to violate that trust again. That if I say the words, I forgive you, then it's like we're releasing them and we have to go back to being able to trust them again and go back to the way things always were. So if I say forgive them, then I'm, I'm letting them off the hook and I'm having to trust them again. But the truth is this, that forgiveness does not equal trust. God requires us to forgive. He does not require us to allow unlimited access to our hearts. That forgiveness does not mean things have to go back to the way that they were. And you have to go back to trusting that person. But forgiveness actually is, is, is releasing not just them, but releasing yourself as well. Here's what, here's what it does. If we continue to walk in unforgiveness, not only will we not be able to trust that person, but if we walk in unforgiveness, we'll have a hard time trusting anybody else. That if we continue to walk in unforgiveness, we not only not trust the person that hurt us, but we begin to walk in distrust for other, for around everybody else. 
and we begin to walk in suspicion towards everybody. So what forgiveness does is it allows us to let go and to heal so that we don't have to operate in suspicion. So forgiveness does not mean I have to trust them. Forgiveness actually heals our hearts so we don't have to walk in suspicion to those around us. Does that make sense? Lie number two. This one is, I think this one's probably one of the most difficult lies that we believe. If I forgive them, then I will not receive justice for my pain. If I forgive them, then I will not receive justice for my pain. Forgiving them lets them off the hook. It's like saying there's no consequences for the pain that they had caused me. They get off the hook and I'm left here to pick up the pieces afterwards. So if we, if we say the words, I forgive you, then we are allowing them to get off scotch-free for the pain that they caused us. But here's the truth of the matter. Justice is not our responsibility. Justice is not our responsibility. Jesus tells us, he says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Let me read the scripture to you. It's Romans chapter 12. He says, beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The truth is justice was given at the cross of Jesus Christ. Justice was given at the cross of Jesus Christ. He bore all sins. He bore all betrayals. He bore all unfaithfulness. He bore all hurtful words and all failures of character. Justice was dished out at the cross. So when we cannot forgive because we feel like we're letting them off, I want to remind you that it is not your responsibility to give justice. It is his responsibility. And he dealt out the justice at the cross. It is arrogance for us to believe that we have been forgiven, but they have not been. It is arrogance for us to believe that I don't deserve the wrath of God anymore, but they still do. So forgiveness doesn't leave you without justice. You have received justice for your pain in the flesh of Jesus Christ. The pain that you received from the other person, the justice in that is found in the wounds and the stripes of Jesus on the cross. He bore it all. He bore yours and he bore theirs. There's a parable that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 18 that tells us what happens when we demand justice from those who caused us pain. In the parable, Jesus tells of a servant who goes before his master. And the servant owes the master a hundred bags of gold in the story. The servant is unable to pay the debt that he owes the master. So the master has mercy and grace on the servant and forgives him all of his debt. And tells him that he can go free, debt free. The servant then goes out into the city and finds a man who owes him a hundred silver coins. And the Bible says that the servant takes this man by the throat and demands that he repay him his debt. 
The man, of course, is unable to pay and he begs for mercy. He asks the man if he could have a little more time to be able to get the money. And the man, the servant refuses and throws the man into jail. The master who had just forgiven the servant his debt hears about how his servant had treated this other person. And he calls him back into his chambers and he rebukes the servant. And he says, how, how are you? How, how am I able to forgive you? But you are not able then to turn and forgive those around you, their debts. And he takes the man and he puts him in prison. And it says he gives him over to the torturers in the prison. The parable of the story is, is really simple. The answer that the master released the servant, but the servant still demanded justice from his fellow servant. And what happens then is not only, not, the, not does the, the person who owned a hundred silver coins end up in prison, but the man, the servant ends up in prison because he was demanding just his own justice. Does that make sense? Let me just read it because I wrote it down a whole lot better than I just said it. <laughs> what happens when we harbor unforgiveness or we demand our own justice? Unforgiveness then puts us in prison and left to the torturers. That when we demand our own justice, instead of freely giving as we have been given, it puts us in prison and not them. That we end up building our own prison when we demand justice for ourselves. Justice has already been given on the cross. Amen? Lie number three that we believe. You are still in pain from their actions. So you cannot forgive until the pain is gone and you have worked through all of your wounds. That I cannot say the words, I forgive you, until I have worked through all of my emotions, all of my fears, all of my anxieties and pain that this person has caused me. That I can't say the words, I forgive them, until those things have been healed. And I want to tell you this morning that that is not true. The truth is this, that forgiveness is not the absence of pain but rather forgiveness is the presence of mercy. Forgiveness is not the absence of pain, but the presence of mercy. The Bible tells us that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked out upon all of the people who had just put him on the cross, who had just nailed him to the tree. And he looked at them and he said, Father, forgive them. That the pain of the cross was still present when Jesus forgave the people who put him there. That the pain was not absence when he forgave. Mercy was present. So pain or forgiveness does not require an absence of pain. It requires the presence of mercy. You know, in the Corey Ten Boom story, Corey goes on. And talks about this in, a, in the journal that she wrote. That even after her encounter with the prison guard there. 
and them, him, her genuinely reaching out her hand and offering forgiveness to this man. It says that she still went home and suffered from the pain and the trauma that was caused by these prison guards and the, and the thing that she went through. She said she still had sleepless nights where she just imagined over and over again the things that the guards had done to her. And she was having a hard time to fully release the prison guard and to fully come into a place of forgiveness and healing from it. So since she was still struggling with this, she sought out the counsel of a pastor. She goes to the pastor and she begins telling the pastor the whole story of how she asked for forgiveness or she gave forgiveness to this prison guard, but that she's still struggling with all of the pain and all the emotion and still struggling to forgive, to fully forgive them in her heart. And she didn't know what to do from the, at this point. She said, you know, I'm going across Germany and all of these places and I'm preaching the message of forgiveness, but I'm still struggling with it in my own heart. I don't know what to do. The prison, or the, not the prison guard, the, the pastor looked at her and gave her this wise revelation. He said, Corey, I want you to look out the window and see that giant bell tower up there outside the window here. He said, Corey, every day someone goes to that bell tower and at the bottom of the tower, there's this long rope that they pull to ring the bell. And every day they pull this rope and it rings the bell and it's loud and it reverberates through the entire city. But eventually after a while, they, they let go of the rope. But the bell continues to ring for several moments after they let go of the rope and it continues to reverberate, continues to echo throughout the city. But it, after they let go of the rope, the, the bell begins to slow down. And the noise becomes a little bit less and becomes a little bit more faint till eventually the bell comes to a complete silent stop. And he looked at her and he said, Corey, forgiveness works in much of the same way. He said, in that moment there with the prison guard, you let go of that rope. And even though you've let go of the rope, the pain still reverberates. For a while, even though you've let go of the rope, the emotions are still moving. They're still reverberating throughout your being. But as you have let go of the rope and you, you wait just a few more moments and a few more days and a few more weeks, eventually that bell starts moving slower. It starts getting quieter. It starts, starts becoming still till eventually it comes to a halt. And he said, forgiveness works this way, that as you do the work of forgiveness, and as you release that person in your heart, and you keep releasing them over and over again, eventually the pain becomes a little more numb. Eventually the pain becomes a little more dull. And the emotion and the reverberation from the pain begins to fade away, till eventually the bell quits swinging. And you are able to totally and freely walk in total forgiveness. And that's what I want to tell you here this morning. That some of you may be dealing with unforgiveness. Don't believe the lies that you have to have some sort of courageous monster faith to be able to move that mountain. Jesus says all you need is a little tiny mustard seed. 
of faith. All you have to do is stop tugging the rope and let go. And even though you let go, there may still be pain for a while. You may still be in the state, may still have to deal with the emotions and the trauma and all of the things that come along with the pain of betrayal and all the other things. But as you have let go of the rope and as you allow the Holy Spirit to continue to comfort you and to bring healing to your heart, as you have obeyed him and letting go of the rope, letting go of that person, eventually that bell's going to stop ringing. The pain is going to dull and you'll be able to walk in freedom from that person. Freedom from that trauma. We just have to let go of the rope. We just have to let go of the rope. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. Once again, I want to just reiterate those three lies that we believe. Lie number one, if I forgive them, I'm saying that I trust them and thus giving them access to violating that trust again. The truth is forgiveness does not have to equal trust. That forgiveness, forgiveness is allowing our hearts to be healed from the pain so that we no longer operate in suspicion. Lie number two, if I forgive them, I will not receive justice for my pain. But the reality is, the truth is, justice, you receive justice at the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Lie number three, you are still in pain from their actions, so you cannot forgive until the pain is gone and you have, and you have worked through the pain and through the wounds. The truth is, forgiveness is not the absence of pain but the presence of mercy. We just have to let go of the rope. We just have to let go of the rope. Jesus, God, I pray for every individual in the room this morning who is currently dealing with or who maybe has dealt with unforgiveness in their heart. God, who has had to deal with the pain of other people's actions, other people's words and the way other people have treated them. Father, I want, I want to want to just dispel the truth or dispel the lie that says that if I forgive them, I'm saying what they did was okay because it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay how they did what they did, but forgiveness is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of mercy. And Father, you have been so gracious and merciful to us. God, that while we were yet sinners, before we ever asked for forgiveness, God, before we ever repented and admitted our sins and our failures, God, it says that before, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us on the cross. God, that as you were hanging on the cross, God, you forgave the people that hung you there on the cross, Jesus. God, they never asked for forgiveness. You freely gave mercy and forgiveness to them. Father, I pray that you would give us the same grace. God, that those who have caused us pain, that we would be able to look at them and have mercy in our eyes as you have had mercy in your eyes towards us. God, that we would have the grace to let go 
of that rope, Jesus. God, that it would no longer corrupt our hearts, Jesus. God, that that pain would no longer imprison us. But Father, that we would be able to be set completely free from that pain. That we'd be able to let go of that rope so we can walk in true freedom and forgiveness. With everybody here, with your eyes closed, I want to just do this this morning. I want to pray for those who maybe are struggling with unforgiveness here this morning. And if you would like to, if that's you, you're struggling with that, why don't you go ahead and in this moment just raise your hands. You don't have to even raise them high. Just put, them, put your hands out. Father, I pray for each and every person in their hearts here this morning. God, that where pain can cause calluses, God, when we've been torn and we've been ripped, Father, that, 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 that we can become hardened in, those, in that state, Jesus. God, I pray that if there's hardened hearts here because of pain, God, that you would begin to tenderize our hearts once again. God, that the fortresses that we have built around our hearts because of the pain that we have been caused, God, that, that those fortresses would be brought low and come down this morning, Jesus. God, that we would learn what it is to be vulnerable once again. Because it is only in a place of vulnerability that we can love and be loved. So, Father, I pray for those who are dealing with unforgiveness this morning, that you would tenderize our hearts once again, Jesus. God, that you would break every lie that we have believed about forgiveness. God, that you would break every lie that has kept us from being able to walk in freedom. God, that you'd break every lie that has kept us in prison from being, uh, from, for, from being in unforgiveness, Jesus. And that, God, we would be able to today fully let go of that rope, Jesus. Let go of that thing that hurt us. Let go of that person that hurt us. That we can begin to walk in healing and in restoration that we can walk in fullness as you have called us to walk in, Father. Heal our hearts this morning, Jesus. Heal our hearts this morning, Father. Give us faith as a mustard seed. And Father, I thank you that as we walk out, this forgiveness, as we walk out this, this path of forgiveness, Jesus, that you don't leave us. God, in the nights when we're still struggling with the pain, that you give us the grace to continue to release that rope. God, that as we walk through the, the continued reverberations of the bell as it's slowing down, Father, that Holy Spirit, that you would keep reminding us of your goodness over and over again, that you'd remind us of your mercy over and over again, that you would keep our hearts soft and tender and not allow them to become hardened again. And Father, that as our hearts begin to heal, Jesus, God, that we would come to the day when the bell has stopped ringing and we are totally free. And we are totally free from that pain and can walk in fullness of trust again. And in love, Father. Father, we thank you for your example of forgiveness and your mercy towards us.
We honor you today, Lord. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.